free dropped here, no doubt. Yeah, free drop. Whoa, that thing came out sideways. Drove it into the penalty area. Whoa, yeah. Oh, that was a shank. It's hard to believe watching this. It made an unbelievable bogey in the drop zone. Good evening, folks. Welcome to the Drop Zone. It is Sunday, well, Sunday afternoon in Seattle, Sunday evening in Chicago, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Sean Zock. Sean, thanks for being here. How are you doing? It was the best weekend, I guess, we've had in 2023. Wow. Was it a nice weekend in Seattle? Um, it was it was strikes and gutters. We had kind of a rainy uh, rainy Friday, but things have really turned in a positive direction. Today is pretty nice. Once we finish podcasting, hopefully going to take in a pleasant evening. Maybe go for a, a little run. Maybe just a stroll. So yeah, no, it's how good. far are you from? Uh, is it Gasworks? Is that Gasworks? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I is mean, that it's too a, far of a run. You can do it. You can connect up and do the the Lake Union run and kind of get around to gas. Sounds like you're not you're not gonna do it. Uh, I'm not gonna do it tonight, but there. But yeah, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Just now that you've kind of thrown down the gauntlet there, run over to Gasworks. Hell yeah! Tonight I might uh, run to where yeah. I can look to Gasworks. This is good. Good uh, Seattle audio. Ho- hopefully we over-index in the PNW, so this will mean something to people. <laughs> Um, Sean Wyndham Clark just finished off a four shot victory. And, uh, right now the ladies from Thailand seem to be in the process of, of finishing off the Aussies in a cool team event. Um, but kind of a, a quieter Desi this week, quieter designated event. The, it maybe was, quietest. it maybe was always destined to be that way. Um, but the absence of a couple key players and uh, you know a couple other big names not playing that well but we should start with Mr. Wyndham Clark because god what a performance i mean if you take Wyndham off the board you say look Xander Shoffley really played his buns off had a nice three shot victory instead Wyndham was four shots better than second place Xander post 19 under uh, at one point on sunday he was one shot back, and then he birdied five of the next eight holes to open up, you know, eventually a, a four or five shot lead. First PGA Tour win, all around good stuff. Sean, did you watch Wyndham do his thing much? Did you have any thoughts on how he did it? It was kind of like when Finau won last week, and he looked at John Rahm, one of the, I mean, the best player in the world, and was like, no, I'm going to win. That's kind of what Wyndham Clark did for me this week. He looked at Xander, who is a top five player in the world. It's like, no, I'm, I'm going to win. I'm going to do this. It, it feels more impressive when you can stare down from within your group um, one of the best players in the world, especially if you're an, a non-winner, a never-winner on the PGA Tour. Um, the, the thing that we will do, that I will do, that a lot of people end up doing um, is being like, okay, where did Wyndham Clark come from? thing is he's been playing really really good golf we do this all the time when we feel like there's a surprise winner like data golf will rank him as a top 20 golfer in the world tomorrow when their rankings reset he's probably going to be in the 18 range which is where we end up putting dustin johnson and cameron smith and honestly where tony finau was last year and so like is it Wyndham clark on the rise he certainly feels like it um is he playing his play onto a Ryder cup team 
He certainly looks like it. That's Crazy. the kind of like echelon yeah. that you jump up to during a Ryder Cup year after a massive event when you've kind of been simmering um, beneath the surface, and then you do it, and you stare down Xander, and you do it. Um, so uh, that's what I think of. I think of the more conclusive results that he gets rather than the birdies and bogeys, but his Saturday 63 was pretty sweet. It was so good. I mean, some of the golf that he and Xander played in the final group, well, in the, the second-to-last group on Saturday and then the final group on Sunday was pretty special to watch. But, yeah, it's funny how winning changes everything. It almost changes the results that you had previously on your resume. Like his fifth-place oh, yeah. finish at the Valspar suddenly is validated. It is He has doubled down on, on the 15 consecutive cuts that he has now made. Uh, means something different, The Ryder Cup standings, he'll suddenly have to be a part of that conversation. Um, it really does change everything. And people have always acknowledged just how talented he is. I mean, hits the ball a ton, seems to have a complete game. You know, when he's hot, he's hot. He's been close several times, but obviously hasn't gotten it done up to this point. Um, but the way Wait, he did it. how much money did he make? 3.6 mil. You make? <laughs> okay, so you get a, you get a you get a point in terms of Ryder Cup standings rankings. You get a point for every $1000 I believe you make. Um and so 3.6 mil equals 3.6 thousand Ryder Cup points and he was going he was going into this week he was at 1.8 thousand. So he jumps up to uh I believe my math would be correct 5.8 Four thousand, which puts him right around Kurt Kitayama, Xander, Justin Thomas. He's gonna jump over. He's gonna jump to number ten in the Ryder Cup standings. You know how many people are on a Ryder Cup team? Twelve. How many, Sean? So he's on the Ryder. Cup, he's on the Ryder Cup team right now. That's what he's on. Like, I know there's a lot of time left. There's so much time left. But wins like this, uh, they become the platform on which you run for office as a assistant captain or a, uh, a captain's pick. How did he do it? That's what people are going to be wondering. And the question, I guess the answer is really, he got a lot better at golf the last over the last year. Uh, he talked about changing his mindset. He's been doing some reading. I've also been doing reading, but not yet winning designated events. Um, he's now above average at every part of the game, but the, the notable improvement seems to be, his approach play, he's been in the top 40. Even going into this week, he was in the top 40 after really being like outside the top 150 the last few years. Um, so if the most important part of golf, if you can suddenly go from being, you know, kind of bottom of the barrel on the PGA Tour to fairly upper echelon, then that means good things. It all came together this week. His putter got super hot. But, man, yeah, he looked shaky the first couple holes, and there were still some good breaks that he got. Kept hitting trees and bouncing back in the middle of the fairway or, or bouncing back into play. But when once he, once he got out in front, then he was there for good. So good stuff, Wyndham Clark. Bravo. The, the tricky part of this all is when we look forward to these events next year, the designated events. Wells Fargo, I am sure, will be probably elevated next year. Um, Wyndham Clark might be the first winner that we've had that 
maybe wouldn't have played in the event next year. He might have been. Like, he might have gotten in, He but he was not top 50 FedEx Cup last year. He finished 72nd. Um, through his play this year, he might have been able to earn one of the final 15 to 20 spots or so. Um, I think he would have qualified, but it's close that he maybe wouldn't have. And so that would that would be the first kind of thing I think of. Or, you know, the haters, right? The people that hate designated events, people that are going to despise these no-cut events for the elites of the PGA Tour, the journeymen who don't feel like they have a say or as uh, much involvement for the, the mega money. Um, are going to point to people like Wyndham Clark. And I just can't quite decide if it's fair to point to him yet uh, or if it's getting fairer. Um, but point is, he was, a, he was a top 30 player coming into this week. And um, now, you know, who knows what he'll do the rest of the year, but he might continue to validate that. Um, we're going to have those conversations at the end of the year, though. Like, who's in and who's out? And I'm st- it's starting to crystallize, and I'm starting to get uncomfortable about it. It's really interesting, actually, whether he would have been in. We can probably crunch the numbers. We'll have our our uh, drop zone team run those numbers at some point here. But, uh, yeah, he would have been on the edge. He was 36th in FedEx Cup rankings coming into this week. So, yeah, maybe he would have been a hot enough player to, to get a berth here, but definitely no guarantees that he would have been in. I don't know. I mean, yeah, we said Nick Taylor, he wouldn't have been in the the WM Phoenix Open for next year, right? But we need cuts, man. We need cuts at these things. They're good. <laughs> it's good to have cuts. Kind of helps you make sense of the whole thing. Um I don't know. Some guys missed him. Like what? Well, we need Jordan Spieth playing the weekend after he shoots like 78 or whatever he shot on Friday? I don't think so. Um, talk to me about your new love for the FedEx cup because up top it's getting interesting. There's a couple guys that have really separated themselves, but whew, it is looking really okay, intriguing so right around I, that top 50 spot, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what I like about it most is, uh, you brought up Nick Taylor. Um, Nick is ranked 20th in the FedEx cup right now. He's, he's played really good golf this year, had a fantastic finish in Phoenix, uh, I think he's deserving of what he's done this year to earn his way as a designated hitter next year. Um, and I think he, I think he's basically got what he needs. He's got 900 FedEx Cup points. I think the pursuit <laughs> is kind of like trying to hit the 700, 750 mark. Then you'll be good to kind of coast. But the whole point is around the 35 to 40 zone. You start getting under the 700 mark, and you see people like Brendan Todd that we need to dispatch of we need justin thomas to not be ranked 67th justin needs to start playing like he's justin thomas and move his way up so that someone like brendan todd doesn't get a free pass into the top 50 events next year um player looked like it was gonna happen today jt came out like a cannon four under on the front four over on the back very weird day too much of that lately right now emiliano grigio is ranked 53rd he's ranked 53rd and i cannot tell you god bless him one single shot i've seen him hit this year and he is one non-designated event like top five from really kind of jumping up these rankings like in a big way maybe a sustained way matt kuchar ranked 45th right now he is playing all the big events next year and i can't 
tell you that I've seen a single shot that Matt Kuchar has hit this year. Now, granted, some of this is saying something about me. I haven't been watching for Matt Kuchar. <laughs> um, but Adam Shank's claim to fame right now, I believe, would be finishing solo second at the Valspar. Have I made my point? It's getting kind of weird and awkward because Thomas Dietrich, he's 41st. He's kind of comfortably in the uh, comfortably in the top 50 right now. Does he deserve to be? Has he done enough for you? More events will kind of weed these suckers out, these bandits, as you like to call them. Um, but I don't feel great about the bottom end of it right now. I really want people to start earning it. Like Keith Mitchell's played such really good golf this year, but he's only 56th. I feel like he's played way better golf than Eric Cole, than Denny McCarthy, than, uh, gosh, even Hayden Buckley. I definitely feel you. I mean, they were asking Adam Scott this week, all right, what do you think of the uh, the designated events next year? He's like, well, I hope I'm going to be in them. <laughs> because right now my my man's been playing pretty well and he moved up. Like, I'm, No, he hasn't been playing that well. He's been playing very average golf for him. And he finally got some points this week to move up from 133rd to 105th in the FedEx Cup. So he's still way outside. I mean, Shane Lowry yeah. is 99th. Uh, you mentioned gonna, JT. I was just going to say that. Billy Horschel? Billy Horschel. 104. Has not been a factor. I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys that have played decent golf or at least played, you know, they've played like three good rounds of golf at these big events and then suddenly they're not involved. And yeah, you've got a guy in Will Zalatoris who is injured, obviously. He's going to be taking up, presumably, he's either going to make it in through uh, that OWGR top 30 or whatever. He'll get an exemption depending on the timing and everything. But there's only there's only so many exemptions. There's if what golf wants, if what the PGA Tour wants is for its biggest names and its best players to be in these things, they got to start playing well enough to earn their way in. Um so it's interesting, but I think that's kind of the point, right? It's good to have some urgency. It's good to have some subplots. I mean, we're going to get to the 3M Open and that's going to be an important schedule ad for someone and you know, the question of whether Adam Scott plays well at uh, maybe, maybe Adam Scott's not realistically going to the John Deere classic, but you see my point there, there will be some interesting late game storylines around who gets in this top 50, uh, who gets in this top 70 and then, you know, down the line, who gets in the top 30, etc. Uh, Dylan, the other person thing I want to talk about is someone who's floating under the radar. Oh, I would like to re I just want to read off his performances. His last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven performances. Uh, you'll probably know it is, but T two, T thirty four, T fifty four, T eleven, T ten, T twenty, T thirty one, T thirteen, T seventeen, T ten, and T fifteen. Now, um, You'll notice only one of those is the top 10, but you'll also notice zero of them are missed cuts. 11 straight cuts for this man, and a lot of them are in the top 20. Do you know what I'm talking about? That T2 should help me out, but I'm struggling with it. Um, No, who is it? Who who are we talking about? Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler has not not missed a cut in six months, um, and he is racking up top 20 finishes. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six top 20s in his last seven events. He's now back in the top 50. 
uh, in the world golf ranking. And he can't get himself a top five finish uh, besides that T2 back at the Zozo behind. He kind of got Keegan. up to the edge today. He was like, you know, maybe T6 with three holes to play and then bogeyed 16 and 17. But yeah, he's playing yes. really good golf. The weird thing, Sean, mm-hmm. is that you look at you look at the uh, spring break trip reunion, right? Smiley, JT, uh, Spieth, Ricky. Who's playing better golf right now than Ricky Fowler? The answer is Jordan Speed. But <laughs> yeah, not this them, week. One of them not is. this week he wasn't. Um, yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's funny how those dynamics change. And, and there's some Do you remember uh, when they took that trip? I remember, yeah. 20, 2016? Yes. So let's all, let's all look back seven years. Um, Justin Thomas just played his first Masters. Uh, he had won in the fall, the previous fall, but he was really, really still working his way up. He did not win the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. Um, Daniel Berger beat him. Um, I, I believe that's, that's how the other that guy I was going to mention at some point, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> but anyways, 2016 April. This is the end of April, and you'll remember what happened in early April. Jordan Spieth's playing in the final group with Smiley Kaufman. <laughs> final group with smiley kaufman smiley kaufman fast forward seven years is now a broadcaster doing a great job of that but does not play professional golf anymore um and you know that spring break that they looked back to was a few weeks like removed from one of the best weeks of his entire life and one of the lowest weeks of jordan spieth's life because 2016 is when he dropped a bunch of balls in race creek and um man we like we talk about the, the different trajectories that uh, that careers take. <laughs> Holy cow. All of those careers have taken uh, very, very different careers. I guess JT and Jordan have similar careers, but still very, very different. Um, and I've, I was glad that they poked fun at that the other day uh, when they, they posted about the trip that they were on with their wives because, man, time flies in a span of seven years. And... Uh, yeah, just ask Rory McIlroy about that. Just ask Daniel Berger, too. That was the other thing I wanted to mention. Um, Doug Ferguson kind of tracked him down last week. I was just touching on this in the, the Monday finish for this week for a column tomorrow on golf.com. But Berger, I'm curious if you're going to recognize who this might sound like, Sean, but Berger, was he's been out for months. I mean, he's just been in Florida. He's been rehabbing. He's been working on this mysterious uh, disc and back issue, and he's finally getting back closer to playing, but he's another guy that obviously won't have a, a free pass into any of those events. But, Sean, he said basically when he was, while he's been away from the tour, the only contact he's had is just – like a call from Jay Monahan. He's talked to him a couple times. Besides that, he feels like a forgotten man. I'm curious if that reminds mm. you of anyone else. Reminds me of Brooks a little bit. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what it made me think of. That's good because uh, good pals, you know, Dan and Berger and Brooks Kepka. Um, Ryder Cup, uh, I believe, teammates at one point. Not that long ago, eight, eight, like 20 months ago. Brooks Kepka and Daniel Berger playing in the same group at the Ryder Cup. Yeah, and I think that the, I think just along those lines of like things happen fast and the landscape changes quickly, and if you fall behind, you get left behind. There's not really any guarantee that 
you come back. And well, and, I think that Ricky deserves a lot of credit for doing that. Like Ricky has totally, he's played his way back into it. Jason day has played his way back into relevance. Um, he really plummeted outside the cut line this week, but things change a lot. Every five years, the live guys, some of them have, have faded from consciousness pretty quickly. Some of them aren't playing that well. We'll talk about, uh, their Tulsa event in a minute, but I think we underrate just how quickly the landscape changes. And, you know, last year when you looked at the guys that were on the president's cup team, you would have said, Oh yeah, we're basically going to bring that same team to the Ryder cup this year. Yeah, run it back. We're the not show goes on. We're not going to do that. <laughs> no. Um, that's why I kind of brought Ricky up is because Ricky's got pals on the Ryder cup team. Ricky's, Honestly, Ricky's best friend is probably Justin Thomas. Um, and he's very close with Jordan. And all these guys are close with Zach Johnson. And Ricky has, much more than Wyndham Clark, Ricky has had a career that has intersected with Zach Johnson's. Ricky's been on these Ryder Cup teams. He does not have a flashy Ryder Cup record. But Ricky's going to move up to about 18th in the Ryder Cup standings. And I, I cannot say enough how far away august and september are except that a couple finishes and you feel really close to august and september and if ricky is in the top 15 if he's in the top 20 he merits a pick and zach johnson has said publicly i'm going to lean on these guys to decide who they want as captain's picks i'm going to lean on them to decide if they want brooks kepka to get a captain's pick or if we want to kind of stay clear of brooks let's go with Ricky Fowler instead like Ricky's going to get a look and he's at this point he's probably going to get a nod um, and so all these things are bubbling up and they will make they'll make the FedEx Cup playoffs extra fun and they're going to make the British Open really fun because that's the last like land grab of points maybe it will be pretty similar to the President's Cup ultimately I don't know it just feels like there's a lot of a lot of potential churn in the waters with uh Someone like Wyndham Clark, someone like Ricky Fowler, sticking his nose in there and kind of messing with the system. Sean, what do you make of Joe LaCava joining Patrick Cantlay's bag? It's funny how much this became a, a discussion about Tiger Woods rather than a discussion about Joe and a discussion about Cantlay. Like, it took a second, I, right? It took a second <laughs> to be like, oh, yeah, so LaCava's caddying for Cantlay this week. And then I was like, huh. LaCava's caddying for Cantlay this week. Like, and Cantlay just got rid of his other caddy, which means, wait a minute. <laughs> he's caddying for Cantlay, which means he's not caddying for Tiger. Well, and that, so that was what I was upset about. Um, yeah. Not upset, but annoyed at is whenever a top five player in the world drops a caddy. I mean, that is news. If Rory dropped Harry, if Xander dropped Kaiser, you know, <laughs> if... If uh, if Tony Finau changed caddies, he has at the time being been a top 15 player and changed caddies. That was big, big news because that's a huge change. Uh, and our reaction was not, holy cow, Cantley got rid of his caddy, <laughs> sent him off into the sunset. It was Cantley took Tiger Woods' caddy. Uh, and now like the real story is not as much uh, of a taking of a caddy as much as Lakava wants back in the game. He wants back in the juice. And the reality is Tiger Woods not going to be the game for a while. And, um, 
it sounds like a very amicable split, but it's a permanent one. So it gives us a major question. <laughs> like usually these splits can uh, unearth questions, but not as major as who's going to caddy for Tiger Woods next. <laughs> uh, we have some inclinations as to who that would be. Who's the, who's the, who's the top three candidates? It's a caddy for Tiger. Caddy for Tiger Woods. Rob McNamara, his guy. He's got to be number one. He's like the minus 600 favorite. Maybe minus 1,000. Yeah. I think the thing is, like, are we getting Rob on the bag for... Well, I was going to pick, like, a a lesser event that Tiger would play, but I guess he's not going to play any lesser events. Yeah, the 24 Masters. Yeah, I don't know. Like, is he going to caddy for every event? I don't know. I mean... What Tiger used to have that guy, uh, Brian Bell or Byron Bell, caddy for him. Byron Bell. That's also just a normal, uh, a former friend of Tiger's, or you know, former. I caddy mean, Charlie's got to be in the top three, right? Charlie's Charlie's be for like, sure in the top three, and he's probably Let's not get wild three. with some. <laughs> Who's the third? <laughs> it's Rob. It's Charlie, and it's JT. I mean, it's <laughs> no, it's um. I mean, Mark Steinberg could definitely caddy for Tiger and like in a feel-in role. The thing is, Tiger will have had so much lead-up in time to think about this. There won't be any surprises. Like, I need to play. I need a caddy. There's somebody who is – he's still caddying part-time. Uh, Fluff. Kind of gets pulled in. Kind of gets pulled in for the big events. Has a lot no, of, we're not going to see a, a Stevie lot of, reunion. <laughs> of course not. However – uh, Stevie Stevie Lynn is one of the best caddies uh, in the history of the game, right? Or did he's he just so have a caddy for the best player ever? He's so epic. Like he is, he has such a presence. I'm obsessed with the fact that Adam Scott just bring him brought brings him in, I guess, because he wants to just get bossed around a little bit. And we've talked about this, but yeah, how cool yeah. is it that it's like this guy is a game changer? If I'm gonna win a big event, I'm probably gonna need his help to do it. It hasn't really borne out that way, but just the confidence that both of them have, that that's a real X factor. I, I love that. Yeah, I don't, you know what? You know what? I could see it being someone like Billy Foster, who has a great bag right yeah. now. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think He's, these guys he, are he going anywhere. Matt we, need Fitzpatrick, a, we need a waiver but, wire of, we got to see like who's the best, who are the best available caddies right now who don't have a bag currently. Um, I'm not asking you to tell me right now because that is a <laughs> tall task, but yes, yeah. but like of all the people, uh, this stood out to me when Tiger Woods finished his second round at the old course this year at St. Andrews, walked over the bridge, waved, got emotional. Matt Fitzpatrick was in his group. Max Homa was in his group and they come, they both kind of like kept their distance to, you know, not get in Tiger's way during Tiger's moment. When Tiger walked off that green, he hugged Matt Fitzpatrick's caddy. He hugged Billy Foster. Like, he did not hug uh, Fitz and Homa. How many times has Tiger Woods finished a round of golf and hugged a caddy of one of his uh, group members? I don't think it's happened a lot. (laughs) Single digits, maybe. But he hugged, like, that is a, there's a relationship there. It's almost all respect. 
Um, and um, I, I there's like it's not like Tiger and Billy have had like late nights together, but he could pull Billy Foster off of Fitz's bag. I think I think Billy's a deeply loyal guy, so maybe it doesn't work like that. Um, but there's there's some connection there that it could work out. Yeah, I don't think he could, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I like the idea. I like the He's idea. Tiger freaking Woods, too. dude. If yeah, you're Matt Fitzpatrick, do you understand a little bit? Next, week? next year? Uh, yeah, you would he's understand. Gonna play, he's going to play the amount that we thought he was going to play this year, which was four Fitz is a, a long-term investment for Billy Foster. That is a, that's a guy he's going to ride with. Yeah. yeah. No, you're know. right. When I Tiger just, plays on I'm the President's think Cup of the... team next year, <laughs> Foster's not going to be. I think the it's, back. I think it's a, I think it's a little bit weird that we wouldn't quite, we wouldn't quite know. How about Lacava for Cantlay? What's the Cantlay piece of this? Or you're still thinking idea. of Tiger Caddies over there? I can still, I can see your excitement. John Wood, John Wood. Oh, that's a great answer. Tiger. And John That's Wood a good answer. Communicate. Everyone likes it's, John Wood. Yeah, I can Tiger see Tiger likes it. him. John, we got to get him on the horn. We got you. Got to get him signed up. Yeah, I mean, and he's like a he's a veteran, but he's. You know, some guys like would be too excited to be Tiger's caddy. John Wood doesn't seem like he would be that. Like John Wood Correct. seems most excited about going and seeing the wolves in the like in Yellowstone mm-hmm. National Park. Like that's kind of where, that's where he gets excited. Tiger would be really cool for him, I think, but he would just still be a pro's pro. Maybe that's the yeah, answer. He's agreed. number three. Yep. Uh, we'll We've set got to the, the bottom odds of this. It. Does this do anything for Cantlay's chances in your mind? Does it change anything about his whole dynamic? Um. I think I don't really think so. Like, how much better can Joe Lacava make him? That's what's the weird. The correct about answer this. is we have no idea, and predicting it's, caddy stuff is seems so impossible. But it seems good, right? It seems like a, a is, good move. Is Patrick Cantlay not one of the five best golfers in the world? He is as one of is. the five best golfers in the world. Yeah, yeah, and that's my point. Is Joe Lacava the difference between Patrick Cantlay and being? you know, a Rory version of like, I just look at Patrick Cantley and I'm like, yeah, he's probably peaking. Like he can win a major. He hasn't done that yet. He can play better and bigger events, but he also, this also might be really close to as good as Patrick Cantley can be. Am I like, is that stupid thought process? No, I think it's really good hitting on it. (laughs) You're hitting on the exact, this is the crux of it, right? Is Cantley, peaking he's taking a risk because he's doing really well and while he's doing really well he's now tweaking a part of his whole setup um you know his team is in place and he has decided that he wants it to be a little bit better because he's not quite optimized i mean he he is switching caddies after a run of results that is third at the genesis t4 at bay hill t19 at the players uh, T9 at match play, T14 at the Masters, third at the RBC, T4 at the Zurich. Like, it's not like he's been playing bad. He's been playing sick. So I mean, if 
if if I if if someone's putting those together and I'm a caddy on that bag, I feel job security. That's the only thing I feel is financial stability and job security. And somehow he had one of those taken away from him. That is, it's it feels pretty stunning to me. And I don't really think, I think we just flipped way too quickly to like, oh my god, what does it mean for Tiger? <laughs> it's like, no, what does this mean for? What is Patrick Cantlay unhappy with? I don't know. This week was his. This was his worst result in uh, his last eight starts, and he finished like t twenty one. Crazy. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, it seems good. He's really still going to be really good at golf, and it's probably not going to change that much for him ultimately. I like it because Lacava seems like a guy that has both speeds. Like he's such a. He's such a kind of serious pro who like doesn't doesn't get wowed by any moment is so you know he'll he shows up way early he's going to be there no matter what he's like the most reliable guy I could think of but then he also kind of has a sense of humor and he seems like he could dig his heels in a little bit when needed get a little something extra out of can't like because he maybe he does need a kick in the ass every now and then I don't know mm, they, yeah well, kick down the fairway when he's walking too slowly uh idea uh, here it would be cool it, you know how it's pretty damn impressive that LeBron has won a title with three different franchises yes do you do you agree that that's impressive in some way I think matter it's very who's impressive. on his teams yeah yeah it's not a, it's it's not teammate thing it's not a system thing it's yeah that's any, impressive has any caddy won uh, a major with three different players um I don't know. Mm. I I know you don't know, and like that's going to be hard for someone to find out. But there can't be many caddies who have won two majors with two different or majors with two different players. Stevie did with Tiger and Scotty. Uh, Fluff did it, I believe, with Tiger and Furyk. Um, Lacava did it with Freddie. Lacava's done it with Tiger and Freddie. Gosh, if if Patrick Cantlay would seize upon his abilities and win a major with with Lacava on the bag, that would be three majors, three different players. He should have won a major. He used to caddy for Dustin Johnson. <laughs> Truly one of the top 30 best players of all time. Um, that would be... I think that that would be cool if caddies kind of... I'm sure LaCava thinks about something like that. That 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 shows you you're a baller. Bones also, should note, has won majors on two different bags. Five Correct. total. I don't know. I wonder if anyone has won with three different players. It's a great question. I mean, like the right. pro caddy is still like a relatively not new, but it's a newer thing. Like it used to be that the masters caddies were were just masters caddies, so they wouldn't have unless there yeah, was just caddy a red hot work. masters caddy that caddy that won like masters with several different guys. But we would know about that. Mm-hmm. Well, geez, Lacava next in two weeks, he's gonna be. Major champ again. Um, last week, Sean, I asked you who the the fourth favorite should be for the PGA Championship behind Rom, Scheffler, Rory. Now no, I'm asking no, you, you, said you who's you said who's third and fourth. You did oh, not who's third Rory. and fourth? Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Now what's your answer? <laughs> Rory's not one of them. Let's tell you that word. right He's now. He's not third or fourth. Um, no, he wasn't last week either. Oh. Last week I said JT or I said Jordan Spieth and Patrick Cantlay. Yep. 
and I am going to stick to my guns. Wow. Sticking with both of those guys. So you did not have JT. No, I had Spieth and Cantlay. Spieth and Cantlay. That's interesting. Because Spieth did not have a good week. Sure. You we'll sure didn't. One. But he's going to play we'll again next one. week. He, he he and Scheffler are both teeing it up next week. Xander played really well this week. Um, hard to imagine him not being in the mix, but I know you don't think he's going to win. So, fair. What does Liv need from its Tulsa event this week, Sean? Uh, it needs to to show that there's a baseline that it can hit with all of its events in terms of hype and it and it can't be forced hype and it needs to it needs to be on more radars at a baseline level because Adelaide it down in Australia that event was hype it had it mm-hmm. and it had people showing up to match the hype that live injects into it Singapore doesn't and you know what Mayakoba didn't really have it either and so that is one of the tricky aspects of taking your <laughs> your golfers around the world is that you promise to be growing the game by bringing golf to places that golf doesn't really exist uh, at the tops of sport well it might not lead to a to a really great uh, vibe like it might it might lead to a lot quieter. It might lead to playing in the middle of the night in terms of American viewing audiences. Tulsa's smack dab in the middle of the country and the perfect uh, place uh, viewing time to watch sports. Tulsa is a golf community that came out in droves for Southern Hills in the PGA Championship last year. So you're just trying to make good on what the PGA of America started. If you can't do that and be on more radars, I don't feel good about Liv's chances. If you can show that you have an ability to be a derivative of what Adelaide was, uh, have highlights that people talk about on social media in a good way, a positive way, like Chase Kepka's ace down in Australia. If you can, uh, yeah, have positive headlines for a change. Like last year at Badminster, right, uh, Trump made it seem like a political rally the headlines that came out of there weren't about the golf and uh i think that that that's gonna be a thing for live to battle every single event that they teed up at this one's smack dab in the middle of the country if you can't do it here you're probably going to struggle to do it so i am looking forward to seeing what happens there um but probably skeptical as always I think it'll probably be pretty well received. Yeah. The why not? The Tulsa audience is primed for golf after last year's major, uh, after being featured in like five different Netflix episodes. And um yeah, I think that the in person experience I would expect would will go pretty well. I think I think the question is whether it needs anything more than that. I mean, now it's been out of the country for a couple different or a couple consecutive events. It's also, you know, Liv gained a little momentum from from Masters finishes. It'll be interesting to see how Phil plays. It'll be really interesting because this dynamic of the PGA Tour having one of its lesser events in Texas while Liv has one of its events in Oklahoma, 
that's a real head-to-head battle. Um, and maybe the answer is that the golf public doesn't care a lot about either of those, but probably Liv has quietly stopped releasing any TV ratings whatsoever. So I think we can probably mm. take that to mean that they are not loving the CW reception, or they've at least seen that it's not to their advantage to talk about whatever their ratings are. Um, so I think they would like to see a nice week from that perspective. And maybe they would like to see Taylor Gooch win a, a third consecutive week too. Maybe no news is good news. Maybe no, People maybe, maybe you're right, Sean. Maybe they're just holding those Orlando results. Cause they were like, Let's just keep this in our back pocket and then boom, blow people away with it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm at this point where um, I would like it to be better. Um, like I'm, I'm actually, call me crazy, I'm actually rooting for it to have more success because it's getting to the point where it's kind of, it can be a little sad when things happen there. And it's like, oh, it's a reminder that golfers on that tour don't play on the PGA Tour. And um, we have to wait. Like, we have to we have to watch Taylor Gooch ball out <laughs> against the fireballs in order to see him do it against Xander and Cantlay. Um, I, I think that that, at times, makes me a little sad. It's their own doing. <laughs> um but it, it puts us in a position to, to analyze apples and oranges as if they're the same fruit and they're not. <laughs> and Notably um, not the same fruit. You heard it here first. But is it, uh, do you not have a little tricky like issue with that when you're trying to figure out like, damn it, is Taylor Gooch playing like a top Thirty player, top twenty player in the world right now. Yeah, it's really hard. It's totally hard to. <laughs> it's hard to do. Even the, even the master stuff. I mean, we talked about this last week, but it's like, yeah, Liv did. Liv had some really high finishes at the Masters, but it's not the top Liv guys that we expected to play well that had the high finishes. It wasn't Dustin Johnson and Cameron Smith and the guys that you would clamor for if they weren't there. It was like Phil. We didn't see that coming. Brooks, we should have seen coming, but um, hey, Phil Phil warned you. He did. He said he was. A, what did he say? He was about to go on a run. No, 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 no. Friday afternoon at Augusta National, speaking to the press, just outside the clubhouse. Phil said, "I'm going to go on a tear soon." Yeah, <laughs> then he going to tear five on Sunday. That's what it was. Going to tear. So sick. <laughs> uh, all right, Sean. Finally, I want just sort of like one minute, one minute rundown of your current golf game now that it's nice in Chicago. And like, what what are your goals for the year? Yeah, great question. Thank you for asking. Um, I am a seven point six handicap, which means I am technically only 1.7 away from being a 5.9 and i would like to become a five handicap this that year is that's exactly correct and okay, uh okay and to be a five handicap is that five flat is that 5.4 rounding down no, what is five, that it's 5.9 it's absolutely 5.9 it's true if you're a 5.9 you're a six handicap are you not 
No, no, you don't get six strokes at a completely flat, uh, uh, whatever level golf course in terms of the the slope and rating. No, if you're a five point nine, it's all it all rounds down. I've been a seven point nine over the last six months when I had shoulder surgery and didn't play any lick of golf, and I came back and I said I'm a seven handicap. <laughs> Uh, and then I proved it by shooting 78 on Saturday and then, uh, something, I don't know, a, a, a little bit worse, a decent bit worse on Sunday, but where my game is at is just the ball striking is good. I just am trying so hard to have a Sung JM Cameron Young Hideki Matsuyama swing thought of pausing at the top of my swing for tempo. I get it into a really good spot at the top. And I'm starting to deliver it in a really good spot at the bottom. But in between, there's a lot of quick uh, quick jerk, quick quick twitch muscles, as they say during the NFL draft. I'm a quick twitch player, and uh, I need to slow it all down. Then we'll, get, then we'll become a five handicap later this year. All right, five handicap. In the meantime, if it goes up a little bit, then maybe I'll want to be your partner when you're getting you know eight or nine shots. But when you're only getting five... It's going to be less appealing. Why don't you explain to the family, the do- the Drop Zone family, who uh, were very My curious about your performance, but who somehow maybe didn't read the article you wrote this week about your attempt to qualify for the U.S. Open. Yep. I, 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 I dipped the quill, so to speak, Sean, on the experience. Uh, I did write about it for golf.com, so you can definitely check it out there. Um yeah, I mean, pretty fun, like fun, like, a, uh, you know, uh, felt a lot of emotions playing this thing, not in a way that like I was going to break down in tears, but just in like, in the sense that like one hole, I feel frustrated. The next hole, I feel like energized, encouraged, like hit the ball better than I could have expected, hit 14 greens. And once I was on the greens, it was horrible. Like I... I hit some putts that were pretty good and could have gone in, but I missed them all. I mean, I made one, I had one, one putt and it was on the 18th green where I finally made a four footer for, for birdie. So that was a nice way to finish. But yeah, I don't know. I had 38 or 39 putts, uh, shot 77, uh, was going to have to shoot 71 even to be an alternate. Um, so I was not close to qualifying. I was close to playing well, close meaning that was a like, long golf course. Yeah, seventy four hundred yards maybe. It was a bunch. It, it was long. it was quite a bit of course, and I definitely had to hit quite a few long irons, mid to long irons, which is typically the worst part of my game, and that was what was so exciting. I kept hitting pretty good, you know, five, six, seven irons. It was cool, sweet, and and then to just <laughs> get on the greens and feel it felt foreign. The putter felt like a stranger in my hands and, uh, mm. did not like that at all. Um, I missed one she, shorty just, that was, but you know, it wasn't like I was, why do you miss yippy. that one? I actually have been thinking about that. I maybe <laughs> because I didn't take space. enough time. <laughs> I know it was like a, it wasn't like a one footer, but it was less than three feet. It was probably, in that two and a half foot range. And it, you know, I just hit it too hard. Top lip lipped out still at another two feet after that. Um, 
I don't know. It's because I don't ever hit two foot putts of consequence and you can't play one meaningful round of golf per year and expect to have your whole game dialed in. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what it comes down to. My goals for the year uh, are just to play a little bit more golf where the putter feels where I feel like, Ooh man, I really want to play well. That's my goal. Mm. Yeah. Test it. We should get you. Yeah. Um, thank you for, for being vulnerable on this episode of the drop zone. And um, yeah. Thanks to everyone who, who listens in and go read Dylan's article on that experience. Maybe make you thank feel you to things. the people that reached out. That was, uh, it was pretty cool. I tried to write about it in a, you know, I definitely wrote about the the positives that come from just like testing yourself. And I think, I think people could relate to the idea. Anyone that's been a competitive athlete, uh, really at any level knows that feeling of, all right, I still kind of like doing this and want to do it, but I'm not as good as I was. And, and in reality, the best that I was was not as good as I wanted it to be. Um, so I think, mm. I think all of that is pretty relatable to anyone that's tried to play a sport at a high level. Sure. Maybe even Patrick Cantley. Maybe even Patrick Cantley. He wants to be a little better. So do we. Uh, Zonies, thank you guys. We love you. Peace. See you next week. <laughs>